Greetings, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Theories and Thoughts Podcast with your hostess Anya and Fancy. Was that enough time for you? No, I still don't see it. You have to refresh your screen if you go on there first. Y'all, we, we're looking for an assistant for Theories and Thoughts Podcast. If you think you have what it takes to be an assistant here for Theories and Thoughts, we are looking for a personal assistant. Um, not Well, not a personal assistant, but assistant to us to help with theories and thoughts. And one of the things will be sharing to our pages on Tuesdays. So if you're already here, why not share on our pages? <laughs> I still don't see the notification. I still don't even see the, the show. I don't know what's going on. Neither. I don't know. I seen it. I got it. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, hey girl, hey. Hey. <laughs> How was your day? Oh, my day has been busy. I'm trying to, to get everything together before I get on the road to come see you. So yeah. <laughs> yes, we will be filming season two of the Reason Thoughts Deep Dive Talk Show this weekend here in Dallas. One of the um one of the things that we places we will be going is we'll be catching up with row of the the business lounge Dallas and the what is it a hundred entrepreneurs? One hundred black entrepreneurs. One hundred black entrepreneurs. It'll be at the Hyatt in Frisco. Um, it is on the Swagger page. It's on my personal page, and I think you placed it on your page as well. I have not, but I need to. Okay. But I'll, I'll get around to that, y'all. It's a brown flyer, but it's yeah. definitely on the Swagger page, though. It's definitely on the Swagger page. Yes, it's on the IG and the Facebook page. If you're in the Dallas area, surrounding areas, you guys come in. What's your say? I'm trying to. Ch- <laughs> To show uh, your birthday message from Quinta. She said, Thank hey, you, Quinta. <laughs> Thank you, sis. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be definitely there. We're going to um, visit Breakfast Brothers. Yes. I kept calling it the Brunch Brothers. That's why I was unsure just now, y'all. So, we will be in Arlington um, catching up with the, bre- with the Breakfast Brothers. Checking out them, um, interviewing them, seeing how that food is, because y'all know it's supposed to be hungry. Um, and we will be catching up with Noel Dave um, Daniels of Body Talk Fit. So you guys can look for those Black-owned businesses that will be getting in their business on the next season of Theories and Thoughts Deep Dive Talk Show. Now, if you are interested in being on the show um, or being a sponsor. I know it's like real early, but I was just throwing it out there since I was already saying that. I got it. At Theories and Thoughts at Lady CEO, Lady with an ICL.com. If you're interested, if you have, um, if you would like to be a black owned business that we get in y'all business. So, yeah. And especially, I'm sorry to cut in, but especially if it's a business in New Orleans, um, I hope that we have some New Orleans watchers. So, um, Season three is going to be in New Orleans, so we are looking for some places to visit there. Yes, 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 yes. Y'all throw out some suggestions, places that we can go that may not be your usual thing. Let us know Black-owned businesses, okay? Um, Yeah, and then, of course, 
next season it'll be longer. This season was four seasons. If you have not caught up with us yet, remember it's on the Exposure app. Um, the Exposure app. You can get that anywhere you get your apps, any app store. Um, Exposure under the which, hmm? Exposure TV Network. That and yeah. it's under the Wish Your Superpower W Y S P. Yeah, net um, channel. So that's the channel that we are we're affiliated with. You can go catch up with the four episodes that we have out now. Next season will be six episodes. So we're excited about that. And like I said, we'll be in people's businesses. So I'm really excited about Fancy coming. Um, coming down to Dallas once again. <laughs> we we um we shot season one here in Dallas. So yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, I think I'm looking forward to it because it's gonna be a little bit different than how it was last time because we're not gonna just be in studio and we kind of have a rhythm. Yeah. Okay? It's a difference. It's a difference than being right here on the internet and being right next to each other. Yeah, uh, and, and having that other camera on your face is different yeah. than this camera. <laughs> yeah. So, we and I see um, Quinta said that she heard brunch. I mean, that she heard Breakfast Brothers is good too. Yeah, I heard so too. So I'm excited. We gonna get there and eat, okay? And we are gonna do a little bit of dancing, y'all, with Noel. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, and then I'm terrified because I'm just like, please let this be a hard dance, like please. She takes her time. I've been to several high classes. She really does take her time. Um, so congratulations to Kyrie Irving and his. I think it's his girlfriend. I don't think he's married. They welcomed a beautiful um, baby boy. Um, so yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. It's always a blessing to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need more black boys to populate this earth. Okay. Um, speaking of babies and people having babies, um, so Safari has petitioned the court to have so they can make Erica Mena allow him in the delivery room. I think I've um one of my and I've shared this before, like I've never had anyone in the delivery room with me when I delivered any of my three kids. And to me, that's like really heartbreaking. So I think that for her to not want him in the delivery room, he has got to be annoying AF. Like that's just such a big special moment, you know, to not want to have someone there that really says a lot. Or there's, or she's a very bitter person, one or the other. You know, I don't know her, but it's that or the other, because that's just a real, that's a big deal. In I, my think, opinion. I feel like she's being petty. That's so. what I feel. Just um, watching her, following her for for the years that I have um, indirectly followed her, because she seems to always. I don't follow her on my page, her so far, but they seem to <laughs> be on my page. They show up. Yes, they show up. So um, I feel, okay, so I have two thoughts on this. Okay. All right, hear me out. The first thought is, I, and I don't have kids. So y'all who have kids, y'all know better. Um, I feel like the first thought is, if she don't want him in there, it is a moment with her, for her. So he has to accept her wishes. 
as much as I hate to say it, because her body's going through a traumatic experience during that time. And maybe he's a trigger. Mm -hmm. That's one set. The other set is stop being petty in a child, girl. I mean, y'all been was supposed to get a divorce and then all of a sudden you pop up pregnant. Look like y'all was having fun still. And then all of a sudden y'all getting a divorce and you filed it and now you have restraining orders and all these things against him. So, yeah, I was kind of thinking of that too. Um, it's, to me, I think it's like sad and unfortunate that the other baby is what less than two. So now y'all have two kids that you've brought into this situation of craziness. But um, she did say that, like, the stress is causing her complications. And I understand that as well, if that is really the case, you know. And I don't know. Safari just, Safari seemed cool and all, but he seemed like he might have some ways underneath there that could be very catty, kind of. And I could see how he might could be annoying, but I don't know. This, those are just my thoughts on the matter. You know, I hate that they're in, that she's in a situation. I would hate to be going through something like that pregnant, you know. Yeah, I agree. Going through something like that pregnant and being in that situation. I can see both of them getting on each other's nerves. I mean, when they got together, it was kind of like, who? Huh? Really? Anyway, <laughs> well. so, on to our next story. Twitter is trying to cancel Cater to You by Destiny Shao. If you guys don't know what Cater to You is, here, I, I'll let you hear a little bit of it real quick. Just a small sample. They'll be done cut us off. A small sample. A small. I should have had a cute. I didn't even think. I didn't think about it. It's one of my favorites. Okay. So I want you to cook the broadcast. Okay. Because so it's too long. That. So what she says, let me cater to you. Because, baby, this is your day. Do anything for my man. Baby, you blow me. No. Baby, this is you had to do anything for my man. Baby, you blow me away. I got your slippers. Some, some. Your t-shirt and so much more. I want to cater to you. And they say it is slavery. I don't agree with that. I, um... From what I saw, a lot of people also did not agree with it. Like, you don't counsel cater to you. Also, like somebody said, y'all been catering to some F boys or something. So, <laughs> and, and that's really the case. That's the reason why you would say such a thing. Anyway, I look at it, it says this is your day, not life. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this is a one day event. And you might get this how often, or it's like a holiday or something, a birthday. That's what the song. That's how I always took the song. Like it was, you know, a special occasion. I didn't take it like, oh, you're going to be slaving for somebody for life. But at the same time, when you're in a relationship or a marriage and it's actually, you know, the person is doing right, you want to do nice things for them. So I don't see what's wrong with it. I agree 100% with you. 
100, 1,000%. I think people are just ha just have too much time on their hands and they need to find some business to get into. They do. Um, Cater to You is basically celebrating taking care of your man. And we have so many songs that's talking about dissing love and dissing women, dissing men. And then you have a beautiful song talking about, baby, let me cater to you. You know, and like you say, it's not this is your life or you're making me. She's not saying, oh, you're making me do this. She's not saying that. She said she wants to do this, you know. And as you said, as a woman, especially if you if you're interested into someone, you want to please them. You want to please them. You want to celebrate them. You want to do things to make them happy. And bring joy into their lives. Just like they want to do the same thing to you. For you. And I'm like you. I'm like where, whoever said that. They've been catering to some F-boys. <laughs> and you playing around. You catering to some F-boys. If you never had a person that you just wanted to cater to. Now me. I have had those moments. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It didn't work out. But it was still a beautiful thing. You know. It was beautiful situations. <clears throat> that I was in and that I really cared for that person. I wanted to just do something special for them. And you should do something special for anybody that's in your life, your wife, your husband, your man, your woman, whoever. You should want to, like, that should be a desire. And if you don't have those, those desires to do those things for them, why are you with them? Now, that's a word. <laughs> Seriously, if... You never have the desire to put a smile on their face while you with them. Or if anything remotely um, of you giving of yourself is a problem for you in a relationship, don't get in a relationship. Because these days, oh, I don't, you know, because I might get hurt. I had a friend used to tell me no risk, no reward. And I no risk, no reward. And it took me, you know, I will always just be like, oh. even on my planner last week that I showed, it says, what if I fall? But what if you fly? And she used to send me that all the time because I, I it wasn't self-doubt. It's just be like, I don't want to go through. Because, you know, when you're in a relationship, I don't want to go through that heartache no more. You know, I don't want to be hurt again. And I'm definitely I definitely don't want to be hurt again. Like. I don't have time because whenever whenever I'm hurt, like it it takes over a little bit. If I a little bit, if yeah. that makes sense, it's like you get you, you be like, damn, you always you thinking about what happened, why it happened, okay, why this is why we didn't work out. You constantly thinking on it and different. I don't have that time right now to the time or the energy to put into why something didn't work out. <laughs> right, I can understand that. Are a heartbreak. I don't have the time or the energy to put forth the effort to heal on that. So y'all leave cater to me, cater to you alone. Cater to me. <laughs> cater to me. Let me cater to you. Yeah, I really love that song. That whole album, that's that's me fulfilled. Was like so. That's the one that had Soldier. Oh yeah. Lil Wayne and Ti. Then you had Girl when they talked about the girl. Um. Kelly, but Kelly sung the song most of the song. And she was talking about um being with a guy and you, you don't know that song? No. Yeah. Hey Sharona, need someone to talk to. Oh, really? That's that song? Yes. Okay. 
I love that album. Like that album, that's one of their albums that I could just let go. Let just play all the way through. The whole whole thing all the way through. I remember the relationship I was in doing. <laughs> Y'all know I relate everything to music. So any guy I've dated, I have a song like that reminds me of them. Or somebody I just dealt with. I have song music. Music is something that resonates with me. So I can remember who I was dating at that time and feeling like I want to cater to them and he a soldier and all those different things. Okay. Uh, I used to do that. I don't really remember anymore. I think everything kind of has become a blur. I was trying to remember when the album was out and it's not ringing a bell for me. I was like 22. I was I was about 22. So that would have made me about 18. Oh, well, I was in school, so I know what I was doing, working and, and working. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know what was going on back then. <laughs> uh, well, um, I don't think it's going to be canceled. I will say that. Um, we don't have a sponsor for the week. So our guest is here. I'm going to go ahead on and bring him in. Sounds great. All right. Greetings. Hey, hello. How are you? We're great. Thank you. So pronounce your name for me. Lorelco. Lorelco. Tonight, yes. guys, we have Lorelco in the building with us, and we will be talking about black fatherhood. Now, I tell you, I use them hashtags because he hashtagged it. And I was like, fancy, I want somebody to talk about fatherhood. And then I just went all on his page. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I oh, so, <laughs> so before we jump into the conversation, please tell our audience about you. Um, well, my name is Lorelco Molzak. I am a black father of two boys, Kaysen and Kylo. They are now 18 months, uh, growing really fast. I'm married to Wanda Molzak. Uh, married going on seven years in October of this year. Um, knowing her for nine. Oh my gosh, eight, eight and a half, nine years. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I, I'm a business owner. I own a business called Kane Kai, which is an online clothing store for babies, for children. Uh, we're launching a summer line soon in the next couple of weeks. And then I do that. I do social media influencing. Um, I have a business called Mosaic Media. So I'm just, I do everything dealing with media, dealing with my family, dealing with fatherhood marriage um and so that's basically my my life as we speak <laughs> and you just dropped a single just dropped a single called little <laughs> things yes that's my inspiration my boys are my inspiration i've been doing music for a long time uh but this is the first time i actually ventured out because uh, i usually do gospel uh i've kind of ventured out to do r&b and kind of have this different feel as far as genre regarding talking about my journey in fatherhood um, talking about what, how my kid, what my kids mean to me, um, and then even I'll, I'll sprinkle some things about my wife and how I feel about her, you know, that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's kind of where I'm at right now, just kind of going into the creative flow. Um, I've been in corporate America for a long time, higher education. I've been an adjunct professor for for some time, and so now it's like my time to kind of just do my own creative thing and just kind of work, work in that flow. And so that's that's basically what I've been doing uh, this past year, actually. So. Wow, you that's have been been here. Yeah, I did a little bit of everything, but it's all good. <laughs> well, we know he did something with his year. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you put that to use. That's 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 good. Thank you. So, are you, um, so fatherhood. Well, how long you said you've been married? What seven and a half years? Is it? Uh, six and a half, going on seven years in October. So October the twenty fourth, twenty fourteen is when we got married. Um, so we've been married for going on seven years now. Um, it's been a blessing, ups and lows, uh, but it's been a really good journey for us for sure. It definitely helped us grow. We've uh, a bit of our story. We uh, got married. We met on Instagram, which is ironic that we do Instagram now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we we met on Instagram. Um, it was actually by accident. We were, I was I was in the studio with my sister. We were doing music. My sister brought up a a photo of her. She said, "Look at the comments. They're hilarious." So I looked at the comments and I saw this Wanda A. Nicole. I was like, "Who is this girl?" I clicked on the page. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, all right, ma'am. You know, so I, my my sister's like, yeah, I know. I said, how do you know she's in California? I mean, I'm in Nashville at the time. That's where I was from, Nashville, Tennessee. And and she's like, well, that's my Twitter friend. I'm like, okay, you know. Well, Tara said, what's up? You know, I have her number. I'll text her. I said, text her. You know, and then she wanted to hear me sing. I was like, well, give me her number. I'll sing to her. And so she gave me. <laughs> I was feeling really jittery that day. That day I was just like on another level. Um, so I called her immediately. I said, like, "Hey, what's going on? How you feeling?" And we just had a real authentic, transparent conversation. And um, I think at that moment, uh, the next day I went. My mother has a church. I went to the church with one of my guys. I was like, "Bro, I think I found her, bro. I think, I think this is the one. She's she's real. She's authentic. She's she's raw. Like this, you know what I mean? Just is this who she is? And I love that about her." And I was like, love, hold on, I'm tripping. But over time, <laughs> you know, over time, you know, we began to cultivate that relationship and it just became so real. And that's a whole nother story of how our first date was in Disney World. That was like a dream. Oh my it, was only, it was crazy. Like we, yeah, it was just, uh, it was unbelievable. Ended up going to the beach and then we left there. Then I flew her to see my family. Uh, got engaged in the Bahamas in May, and they got married in California in October. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I'm like picturing everything. We're gonna have yeah. to black love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I can tell stories now, so I, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to, you know. But yeah, that's that's kind of our story. Um, and then we dealt with infertility for about three years, and we didn't know until after this, after the first two years, we were like something's not right, you know, and so. Uh, we went, get checked in, and dealt with infertility for a while, and tried a lot of different things: natural, IUI, whatever eyes you can think of. We were uh -huh. trying it, um, and then we um, just ventured off. God kind of confirmed to me that we should do IVF and, and see if that'll work. Uh, and so we tried it. Went to uh, went to Barbados, did IVF, and then um, popped two boys, uh, Casey and Kylo, my joy. So. Yeah. Did you have something fancy? Oh, I was gonna say so. Kiss had always been a part of the plan, correct? Yes, oh. always. Yes, yeah. There's always been a part of the plan. I, for me, when it comes to fatherhood, I kind of explaining this uh, not too long ago that um, my father he passed away when I was 17, and it's not really talked about often in my family, and it's probably the first time that I'm actually mentioning this live, um, uh, any other platform, but I believe that he had committed suicide. Uh, I'm not certain, uh, it's not It's not something that we talk about in our family, it's kind of hush-hush under the, the rug, but I have no reason to believe why he would. 
Uh, he was always a great father, very compassionate, very loving man, um, very loving to my mother. Um, all I saw was love from him. Um, I didn't see any signs of depression. Maybe I did. Maybe in hindsight, there are some moments where I'm like, okay, maybe he's dealing with some things. But uh, all in all, he was always, he seemed to be transparent with me and everything. Always told me, um, you know, gave me wisdom and advice well beyond my years. Um, and so kind of prepped me for the time ahead, I guess you can say, uh, subconsciously. But he was a great father. And so with me, battling with infertility, not knowing if I would be able to to give what my father gave to me uh, was kind of was kind of daunting in a way. Uh, it was hard, um, but we pressed through. We had faith. We believed God, and uh, it happened for us. And so I, my, my main goal in my journey when it comes to fatherhood is, is to always give love, show compassion. And what was given to me, I want to give back. And, you know, if that was the situation where my father couldn't take it, whatever it was he was dealing with anymore, I don't want to be in that shoe. I don't want to be that father that says, you know what, I'm just going to, because I felt abandoned when that happened for me. And I felt that, you know, I like, it was kind of a selfish move. I said, I never want to be a, a dad who's just selfish. And there are times early on in, in fatherhood where you kind of catch yourself being selfish. Like, hey man, I don't want you crying right now, son. Like. I'm just going to leave you alone because, you know what I mean? I'm on my time. You know, that, I can be real selfish sometimes. I'm thinking, I was like, man, I can, you know what, that's on you, bro. Like, I can't I can't help you. You've been fed. I changed your diaper. You did. <laughs> I'm not holding you right now, you know? <laughs> so, right, right. Me, you know what I mean? So I find myself doing that sometimes. But, and so, you know, I, I'm not perfect, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I never want to find myself in a place where I'm abandoning them. Um, and that's kind of my journey with fatherhood now. Just It's, just, it's a constant learn constant lessons for me um in this journey so wow yeah. i was going because we always think about okay black fatherhood and there's this stigma that black fathers don't stick around right. and i was actually talking to a black father last night mm -hmm. and he was like people there's more there's more black fathers sticking around than people give credit Oh, for sure. You know, and they sure. want to love and they're stepping up in, in different situations. And one of the things I, I, I mentioned to him, I was like, you know, a lot of times, you know, <clears throat> which is not your case, but uh, sometimes the mother doesn't allow the father to step up or be a part yeah. of their life in different things. Aaron says, um, that's, that's an honesty of parenthood. People don't talk about you don't want the moment to be selfish. Yeah. You do want the moment to be selfish. So what Aaron is saying is, hey, Aaron, you want to be selfish in that moment, right. but right. you don't want your kids to feel abandoned, too. Right. In, right. That, in that situation, you want to have that time. But that's human. That's human. That's human. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that's and that's something I've talked about a lot, actually, in regards to because uh, a lot of people, there is a stereotype that black men are in the home, that black men aren't good fathers, that black men just abandon their kids. And that's, I feel like that's a very strong stereotype and it's really misleading because I've met, I've, I meet a lot of black fathers who may not be married to their baby mama, but they do everything they can for their children. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so it may not look the same in everybody's eyes, but at the same time, there are men who love their kids and will do anything for their children. And so um, I see that all the time. I, I have friends, 
I mean, he has, you know, I have one one of my friends, he's popping out with babies left and right. I said, man, how many babies you going to have, man? <laughs> and I'm like, my God, bro. He's like, yes, my, I'm on my fourth, your fourth one. You're like 24, bro. What's happening? <laughs> but he loves every single one of them. He's always there for them, whatever that they're doing, every stage of their life. He's sacrificed. He's driving from here to all over them. He's that's mm-hmm. what that's what that's his love. And so that's what I see often. And so I'm I'm here to try to break that stereotype. A lot of times that's why my message is so strong on my on my social media is, is is that this is real, that this takes place, that black fathers are in the home. And I quit my job to make sure that my sons can see me every day in the home, to make sure that I'm there and present caring for them, not just in the office someplace, not just, right. hey, you go do your thing. No, I'm actually present with you. I just got done taking care of my kids, putting them to bed, putting them to sleep. Like, this is this is what we do. You know what I mean? This is our life because we want to create generations of other young men who are going to take care of their children, going to take care of their children. It's about passing on legacy for me. Right. Um, and so the generation has to move on and we always have to have a generation of men who are taking care of their kids. That was going, that was one of my questions to ask you why was it so important for you to have it so so much on your page? Because you know, Fancy and I we we talk about the different topics, and I'm like, I want somebody to come on and talk about fatherhood. Like it's so important, especially yeah. now. Yeah. Um, with the with everything that's going on in the yeah. black community, yeah. you know, with the police involvement, what do you tell your black son, your black daughter mm-hmm. before they walk out the door? You know. Right. Being a black father, what what is yeah. something that you would think about raising black boys? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I think about that often. Actually, is I find it ironic because my father never really, he never really brought out the fact that I was black. Mm. He never really, he never really did. I, I think my mother did in some ways, uh, but my father never really kind of pinpointed, "Hey, son, you're a black man." I mean, we've had a conversation before about, hey, if you meet, you know, you get pulled over, give them what you need, da da da, you know, hands on the wheel. Uh, but it's very quick. It wasn't something that was very discussed. And I wondered why, because I've gotten racially profiled as a young black boy, teenager in Walmart, trying to get some coals to grill the year that my father passed away. And then someone, a whole group of people at Walmart comes to me and says, hey, you and your, you and this guy, which is my brother, stole from us, and we need y'all to leave the store. I'm like, well, I'm in the dog food section now, uh, sir. Um, I'm getting some food for my dog. Uh, I just talked to this lady who is in your group right now and asked her for what the cold. So why would you assume that I'm the guy? Well, a white lady said you're the black guy that came and stole. I said, well, if I stole some, I wouldn't be in here. I wouldn't be. I'm, and it, was, it just blew my mind. I'm like, really? You know what I'm saying? And so. But at that time, I wish I had a dad to go to and say, hey, hey dad, like, what's up with that? Like, you know, I I was always aware because my mother kind of laid it out. But my father never really kind of talked about it. I thought that was interesting. And so me thinking about that when my my kids were born and then going, looking at the, you know, riots and looking at what's going on and and police shootings and killing a black man. I'm just like, "Hmm, how would I present this to my sons when it's time? How how would would I be a pet? Would it be a passive approach? Uh, Would it be aggressive? And these are things we have to think about because we also have to learn the um, the emotions of our children as well. What can they take right now? How can they receive this? Uh, Because I never want to push something on them where they now are looking at someone as an enemy or looking at someone as, oh, I can't, or I'm afraid to go out. 
because I want them to be strong. And so for me, anytime I was put over, I was always strong. I was always, oh, this is not going to bother me. I'm good. I'm take care of the business here. Here you go, sir. Boom. And I'm done. Um, but he was always told me to be respectful. And so I felt that respect carried me a long way. And so there are certain ways to teach your children about these issues that does not necessarily push them to see a, you know, you're a target. Cause I don't ever want them to walk around thinking that they are. I want them to walk around feeling that they're confident, proud, that you're strong, that you, that you matter, regardless of color or not. Um, and that's, that's kind of my approach. And so I'm still trying to tinkering with it. Cause you know, they're 18 months. I, I, you know, I don't know if I should practice with them now. Okay, son, let's see how you'll take this. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, that's just kind of real for me. It's just like, okay, do I, how do I push this on them or how do I just have that conversation? Um, I know I will have to have that and make sure that, Hey, you know, be strong. You matter. And at the same time you are black and it does matter that you are as well. Um, and so that's kind of something that I'm, I've been thinking about working through and figuring out how was I taught? Because a lot of times we teach others how we were taught. And there's some principles that I can glean from. And there's some that I can say, you know what, let me tweak that. Cause I, you know, I don't think that really helped me. And so um, that's kind of how the approach that I would take with that. Yeah, it's kind of weird for me. <laughs> no, it's real. It's yeah. real life. It is definitely real. And yeah. I can understand because it's kind of like, what age do you talk to them about? When do right. you make them aware of it? Right. Well, there was um, State of the Nation was mm -hmm. on um, CBS, I think it was. Or ABC, one of them. Um, I know it wasn't Fox. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and at the end, um, she would ask, um, they were in the kitchen and um, I can't think of her name, but she will always ask the guests, when did you realize you were black? Mm. You, and I was like, okay. So when you just like, you know, your father never really just was like, okay, you're black, you know, right, right. you're like, this is what's going to happen. This, that, and a third. Mm -hmm. Whereas my mom, I don't think she really just told me, okay, you're black. You're different. Mm -hmm. I'm from new Orleans. So it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're black, you different. There's yeah. different things. But she always told me that, you know, raising the church. So it was like, God loves everybody. And they when were, I was yeah. around, they liked me. <laughs> they right. liked me. Right. right. You know, so they were always there um, being nice. And then when you get outside of the church. Yeah, absolutely. It was a different story. So, yeah. yeah I, I feel like for, I think my mother was the one that kind of pushed the fact that I was black. Yeah, in a good way. As a matter of fact, I, was, I remember playing middle school basketball for the first time. Seventh grade, I didn't have an issue, but I went to an all-white middle school. Uh, no, it was in middle school. Yeah, all-white middle school uh, because my mother was a counselor. And so we kind of went to school wherever she counseled. And um, and I remember on the eighth, my eighth grade year, I was supposed to start, you know, uh, but apparently we had, we had a new coach. And there were some things that was very strange about it. Um, she had me on the bench. I didn't play much. I played in my third string and then we started playing high schoolers um, and I, I started, I was really good. And I was like, you know, I don't know what's going on. My mother started to explain some things to me. Look, son, you're at all white school. You're black. You're probably one of five in the school. Mm -hmm. This should not be a surprise for you. And this is what she taught me. I hated her for this for a long time, but she did teach me a lesson in this. Um, the star player, the point guard ended up getting injured. Um, so the coach came to me and says, you're, you're really good. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, I didn't play you throughout the season. It's the tournament time. 
but I want you to start for us. I, I really need you to play for us. <laughs> and so I told my mom, I said, she wants me to start. She wants me to play at the tournament. This could be a turning point for me. She's like, you're not playing. <laughs> That's what I thought you was about to say. <laughs> I was like, hold on, hold on now, Molly. We, you know, <laughs> no, I, you're not playing. No, and I'm going to have a conversation with her because I've already had multiple conversations where I, as it is. So I'm going to talk to her. I was like, oh, God, no, please don't do it. Because my mom was that mom. And so she goes and talks to her. I'm sitting there like, oh, Jesus, Lord, help this guy. And my mom just, just chews her up. And she's like, look, all of a sudden, now that my black boy, he was on here playing on the bench. You had him on the bench the whole season. All of a sudden, your star is gone. Now you need him? This is not how we work. So, no, he won't be playing for you. Matter of fact, he's off the team. And so I'm just like, Mom, you can't talk for me now, you, you know. And I didn't understand at the time. I didn't understand it. But she was she she was talking to me throughout the whole process saying, like, look, first, you, gotta have, you matter. Teaching right. me no more. You matter. You, you're, you're not a string that people can just pull you along when something happens. Oh, he's good. So pushing that way. But, you know, but you don't you don't matter during the seat. You know, so she was teaching me certain things and understanding, hey, Loroco, this is the culture that you're in right now. You have to understand that a lot of not a lot of people. You know, and I would grow up hearing, "Hey, you're not, you're not black, black." You know, you, you kind of like us. I would hear stuff like that. I'm, I'm in Tennessee, Springfield, in the hick. I mean, it's in the hick town. I mean, ain't a lot of us there, you know. And so I would hear certain things like that because the way my mother and my father raised me, raised me, shirt tucked in, khakis. And so when I went to all black school in high school, I was looking weird. And so folks was like, "Hey, bro, you different." I'm like, "I guess I am," because y'all don't look like me, y'all. <laughs> And so I had to learn. It was a culture shock for me. So there's a lot of things I had to learn. Um, but I grew up in the church too, so that was a whole nother thing. Church boy. <laughs> and so I was just, you know, I was picked on, bullied, whatever. But I grew out of that, moved on. But um, yeah, just just life lessons. My mother, she really kind of taught me a lot when it comes to uh, race in America, and taught taught me how to stand up, at, you know, for yourself as a black man, and never allow yourself to get ran over. Uh, and understand, look, man, you matter just like everyone else matters, but you matters, you matter as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I got stories. Supposed to be like, oh, you don't got no. I got stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I don't. I never want to portray that um, race is a defining defining factor in my life. I never because I wasn't raised that way, but I do understand because I was treated in ways that it could have become a defining moment in my life. Um, being racially profiled, being called, you know, the N-word and all kinds of different things um, could have defined me. It could have broken me. Um, it could have made me look um, at people differently based on those moments. But because of I was taught that you can be strong, you were already strong regardless of right. how other people saw you. For me, I was just kind of like, oh, it don't really matter, I'm good. I'm secure with myself and I was taught to be secure with who I am and not allow the, you know, what other people say to me to dictate my future my promise, my purpose and what I do in my life and how I move forward. So. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. You to say something um, fancy? Um, well, I just kind of wanted to acknowledge uh, Aaron's come in here. Just um, she said it a few minutes back. So it's levels to what can be explained and what can be understood. Building confidence in kids starts early and shaping identity, but not keeping them blinded to reality allows us to teach them before the world does. And right. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As well. I agree with that. As black, um, unless you have black son. Um, 
So yeah. <clears throat> so going from this preppy white situation mm-hmm. to being in the black, how yeah. do you how do you so what do you do with your boys? Do you bring them into the all white situation or do you bring them where there may be blacks? Because a lot I, I seen a um somebody post the other day and they were saying their their black parents t- putting your child in a situation where they're the only black kid. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, the best. Mm-hmm. I remember I was telling someone, I remember growing up, people used to say, you speak white. You speak right. white. I spoke proper. Right. I may not speak so much anymore, but right. I have it, I have it with me because of my father. My right. father used to say, he used to work on a shipyard, and my dad would say, um, I can't go talk to no white folks like that, so you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> he said he would tell me that he was like, because he was a foreman. Yeah. And he was he's negotiating contracts mm-hmm. and things. And mm-hmm. he's like, I can't go talk to the white folks like that, so you can't talk to me like that. And I'm like, right. okay, daddy, that you can't yeah. don't talk that he, you talk to me. Don't talk that slang. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm a kid, okay. Right. But um, how do your upbringing, you know, your mom bring it to your attention, and then you going from the white preppy situation to you know more of an urban situation? How does that affect how you parent and, you know, when it is time for school, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, what situation do you bring your kids in? Or do you even think that like that right now? Uh, I, I think about it. Um, I think about it. It's, so how I navigated through that process for me, it was I had to adapt because it was, I, I just didn't have the all white situation going i had the all white but i'm a church boy situation going on you know i was you know you know a preacher's kid so that and then people knew me around you know growing up as the preacher's kid and so i was like okay i gotta deal with that and so because it was a culture shock i i understood who i was i understood the blackness of who i was even though I went to all white school, I already knew who I was. So before I went to the all white school, I knew that I was black and I knew that I was different from them. Um, it wasn't that I was whitewashed or anything like that. I already knew who I was. For me, they called me a chameleon when I went to high school because I, ha- I could adapt to a lot of different people's cultures. And so um, when it came to black, like, you know, if there's certain types of black, I'm like, hey, I can, I can rock with you. Now, I might not have all the experiences that some of us have, um, because at that time there were there weren't a lot of two parent family households in that particular school, um, and not many parents like mine. Uh, at that, uh, my dad was from the army. Mom, and she's she's from the hood, but she's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom is straight up from the hood. She don't play. She she has experiences. All she's she's told me about all these experiences. So she she don't she don't play. And at the same time, so she wanted me to be raised in a way that she wasn't raised. Um, so education was everything for our family. So she got, I, I watched her get her two master's degrees and get counseling and all this stuff. And so education was really pushed, you know, talking proper was really pushed, you know, all of that. And so me bringing that into an all black school, it was more so, hey, let me get an understanding of who you were. And I was smart enough to try to gain understanding with people, with my own people, rather than saying, 
oh, I don't, I can't identify with you. I'm just gonna be with all the white folks. That just, that wasn't me. My, my mindset was, well, I can hang out with everybody. And so I have friends in all cultures and all colors, all nations, whatever you want to call it. I was just cool with everybody. And that's kind of how I just navigated through life because that's how I was taught. Like befriend everybody, learn from everybody. Everyone has something to give, learn. I'm like, all right, cool. Now I did say to my mother, I, I, you know, I got clowned a lot, you know, going to all black schools. So I was like, look, mom, I'm not tucking my shirt in anymore. You know? <laughs> and you know, number two, I'm not wearing khakis no more either. Like I'm, you know, and so I I transformed. Like I was looking at pictures not too long ago. At, you know what I was wearing? I was like, wow, I was really transforming. I was wearing the long tees, but it wasn't the long tee. It was like the off-brand version from Walmart <laughs> long tee. So it didn't look right. It was just like oversized. So <laughs> certain things I I wanted to do, you know, to to feel that I was black. You know, try to portray that. Um, and then I realized, I think around junior year, I was like, hey, this doesn't make me black. These, these clothes and me trying to be hip, this, you know, this you know, pop culture, whatever, this doesn't make me black. Right. You know what I mean? And so I had to have that conversation deep within and just really, and with some other, my, my other black friends, like, hey, man, like, this don't make us black, does it? You know? And they're like, no, it, it shouldn't. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I know it shouldn't, right? And so I just began to start to, to realize who I was and who I, and kind of identify with. Who is Laurel Cole? You know how, you know how do people look up to me? How can I make an impact in people's lives? Um, and that's what my father always taught me is that he was always the reasoning one that always taught me. Laurel Cole set the trend, don't follow the trend. When <laughs> so I was going through my identity phase of, who, you know, how to be black or whatever, he was like, "Look, man, don't follow trends. You set it. People are gonna follow you based on the impact that you set in front of them." I'm like, "Cool." And so. From that point forward, I just began to set trends and people began to follow. I mean, I, you know, black people like, hey, man, teach me that. I was at honor society, but I I was that guy who was like really smart, who didn't really have to do much, but I was just smart. So I was in white crowds as well. Um, but right after that, I'd be with my homies. You know, so a lot of people didn't understand me because I was just like, well, you know, I'm here because I, I can identify with your smart, but hey, it's my guys right here, so you know what I'm saying? What's up? You know, my good, you good, my guy, you know. And so it's just, it was different for me. I, I just, it wasn't like I was playing a part. I was just being open, I guess. Um, and that's just how I was, again, when we portray what we're taught, we, we show and exemplify certain traits based on how we were raised. And that's just how I was raised to, to be that person. Uh, my brother and sister, the same way. Um, my brother was, he, he got picked on even worse. They, they really thought he was whitewashed. He was really proper. He was, <laughs> I mean, he was gone. Like he, 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 he had another white friend. That's, he was that guy. And then he switched in college. He went totally different. And like, <laughs> I, I didn't recognize him. He got to college like, bro, well, hold on now. Okay. You, you came into your own. Okay. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Um, you know, he, he, you know, he did it all. I was like, okay, man, black activists, all right, bro. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, you know, we all kind of grow and learn in different ways, but that's kind of how I navigated. And with my sons, um, you know, for me, I don't think it's, I want to, I want to put them in the best position to grow possible. I don't believe that a lot of times we have this notion that putting them in an all black system is going to help them and it's not going to hurt them but i think that once we and this is hard this is why it's hard for me y'all 
because I don't, you know, this is why it's hard for me because I I want them to know who they're from. I want them to know their culture. And I want them to be able to identify with that. Like my wife, she's HBCU, she going ham, you know, and, I, and that's what I want for my son. I mean, if you go to Howard, hey, you better go ham, you don't play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I want them to go to an HBCU. I want them to experience that. And at the same time, I also want them to experience, hey, this is what this other side can teach you too, but bring who you are there and allow them to learn from you as well. Um, because I talk to a lot of my black friends and barbers, whoever I talk to them. I said, a lot of times in our circles, we don't know certain things that other cultures do know. Mm-hmm. It talks about right. building credit, when it talks about you know how to build credit for your children. When they get 18, their credit score should be at 800. Why, why how, how do they get the car? How do they get, well, their parents taught them this and they already set them up for success. Well, right. I didn't get taught that. Why didn't nobody teach me that? Well, it wasn't really taught in our circles. Right. Because we didn't know. But unless until we actually have those conversations with what they're doing, with other, with, what are the white people doing? What are the Asians doing? How are they doing that? How, once I start to understand how they think, then we can really make an impact in our culture because we can take what they're learning, what right. they're doing, bring it up into our our cultures and teach us to grow. Because um, that's a lot. I wasn't taught about credit. Like I wasn't taught about only being a business owner. I wasn't taught about how to grow my business. And to I was taught nine to five. I was taught. Right, hey, you know, work yeah, hard. Yeah, you, know, right. you know what I'm saying? Good job. You know, I, I just wasn't taught. And so I, and so I started having conversations with different cultures. Like, oh, okay, now I can bring that to to my people and say, hey, you know, there's a better way we can do this. You, you know, you can buy a car on business credit if you, you know that, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> let me tell. Let me teach you. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> right. That's just that's just kind of for me. Like when it comes to schooling, I want them to learn from a lot of different cultures and at the same time be secure in who you are and know who you are be around enough people of your own and say hey this is you man this is where you come from but at the same time learn but make an impact wherever you go that's kind of how mm. i'm taking it. i like that mm. so, <laughs> some people disagree some people think hey Did you? <laughs> i was just you know yeah i think uh, no, I, I mean agree. it kind of would help them be more prepared, you know, if they're in a different setting. Um, Absolutely. They already know kind of what's to come or what to expect. But, um, yeah, I just, I agree with that. Before, I probably would have said no, all, all black school, just, off, you know, not really thinking about it. But um, my own background was kind of mixed as well. And I know yeah. it's like, although our school system was predominantly black, but we still, I was still always in a gifted program. So right. um, that was predominantly white. So it was a little bit different. Right. And just knowing the things that I learned from others. So, and just, I remember um, the first time I went by a white person house and it was just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I was just so fascinated because she had this big tree house, you know, and it was just uh, yeah. like, in this other side because I came from the projects and I remember what it was like for them to come pick me up from the projects and everybody's mm-hmm. like okay why is she going with these white people you know mm-hmm. it was an interesting experience and you know um I realized with my own kids though they're older now at one point we lived in, in the country and they were the minorities there then but um the, the educational system was so good you know mm-hmm. so it prepared them for when we moved back into the city so right Kind of a catch twenty two. I, I get where you're at. Yeah. Well, I went to all black high school in New Orleans, McDonald Thirty Five Senior High School, um, and 
we take pride in that. Yeah. But I am still well-rounded because they taught us right. to be well-rounded. That's good. You know, so I, that's why we have so much pride in our school. Fancy be like, I'm always talking about my high school. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to 35. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's why we have so much pride because we taught, we were taught about who we are, the pride in us, and yeah. we were taught other things too. Now we wasn't taught about credit. Our community had should do better with that, and a lot of other things we should do better with. So yeah. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Um, Fancy, did you have anything else? No. Well, Larocco, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to say before we let you go? Um. I yeah, sure. I'll say that. Um. Yeah, it's a joy to raise black sons. I think it's a joy to see them at this stage. And I can only imagine what they'll be as they continue to grow. And I think as with any father who may be listening uh, or any mother, um, parenting children is a blessing, right? And I think that it should always, should always be in a, a mode or a phase of, of sacrificing. And um, my next song that I'll come out is at some point, it's called Sacrifices. Um, and it's all about, you know, I'll sacrifice it all for you to, just to make sure that you have an advantage, to make sure that you progress in life, to make sure, you know, that you make an impact on this world and an impact on generations to come. I'll, I'm going to sacrifice um, everything in my being, everything in, that I have for them. Um, and so it, when it comes to parenthood, fatherhood, motherhood, as we get that in our minds, so we, you know, we're here to pour into them and they're there to pour into others. I think we can really, really enhance our communities to another level. Um, and so that's just kind of my take on fatherhood, just being able to, um, you know, I always say this to someone, I said, what does that mean? Die to myself so that, you know, to ensure that I'm sacrificing who I am for my children and for the next generations to come. Cause I think it's important to make sure that they're cared for and loved and supported. So. Um, that's what I have to say. I thank y'all for having me on. This has been amazing. I really appreciate you all for sure for inviting me. Francis, can I see you his social media? Oh, I'm sorry. Because look, I was meaning to run it and then I got distracted a minute ago. Where is it? I have it. Okay, here we go. So you guys can contact him at lorelco.com. L-O-R-E-L-C-O. M U L Z A C dot com. That's for the audible person, the audio people. Yeah. Or on Instagram at Lorelco dot mosaic. Mosaic, yes. Mosaic, sorry. L O R E L C O dot M U L Z A C. And it's scrolling at the bottom. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm serious. We're going to have to come and we're going to have to have you and your wife on for Black Love. Oh, that'd be good. So cute. I was like, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. I love that. I love to see, you know, parents that's excited to be parents because sometimes when you talk to parents, they can be such a drag, you know. <laughs> Or, you know, you know, people, they tell me, girl, you don't want to have no kids, these kids. And I'd be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you done did something wrong because they pissed off at their kids and they don't like their kids. And I'm like, 
I mean, there's legit people who don't like their kids. And it's just, I don't know. But that was a great conversation. Yeah, it was a good conversation. It made me think. Yeah, he had um he had some great stories. You, he's a storyteller. He is. He's good. <laughs> he's a storyteller. Um, I, I don't think I had a chance to check out his song yet. Uh, maybe I just listened to a part of it before the show because I think I was like, you know, let me listen, you know, kind of research or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anywho, the shirt, well, the earrings that I'm wearing is from Sunita Designs, as you guys know. But I did want to bring awareness to this shirt. One of my classmates from 35, um, her daughter name is Charlie, and her daughter is artistic. Um, so she's selling shirts to help pay for music therapy for her daughter. So if you're interested in supporting the cause, her name is Daryl. Um, <clears throat> her Instagram is always seize the day, A-L-W-A-Y-S-S-E-I-Z-E-T-H-E-D-A-Y. And if you want to uh, follow Charlie's journey, she's on Instagram as well. And it's underscore Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S, um, um, P-E-A-K-S, Charlie Speaks. I love Charlie for a girl's name. Yeah, I do. I love that. I love that. So as I said, if you would like to support, I think the shirt is like super, super cute. And it has the artistic um, things right there. In there, the um, uh, puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you can support. <laughs> As always, I have my beautiful lashes on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I want to be your lash lady. So this is Fire Lashes by Lady CEO. You can find that on my linked tree. I was about to say LinkedIn. But you can find it on my LinkedIn, too. But you can find it on my LinkedIn at... Um, Lady CEO, Lady with an Eye CEO. Um, I had an anniversary sale going on for Miss Things Boutique, but that's over with. That was over yesterday. So if you ain't getting it, I'm sorry. Um, but we did make a year last week. Thank God for um, Tom Hop because I had totally forgot. I thought it had lunch on my birthday. And um, Tom Hop was like, no, it was this day. <coughs> so nice in my phone. Anywho, I am on Clubhouse. I posted. I was like, I still haven't gotten on there and listened to nothing. Oh my god! Don't mention Clubhouse. I'm, I'm listening to. I'm listening to Wendy Williams' book right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, or I'm listening to um, a podcast or something like that. So, <laughs> but I, if y'all know some good, some good. Um, once. I know you told me just go look for my entrance, but if y'all know some good ones, y'all share it with me. Um, and that's me, Fancy. Um, okay, so I am on Instagram and um, Instagram at Fancy Swagger. All my social media stuff is Fancy Swagger. And my link tree is Fancy Thoughts. You all can find me there. Um, I was trying to find my event right quick because I did not have the um, I didn't have the link there. But we are hosting our bosses link up event on the twenty fourth, and uh, and that's not going either. My what? Oh, because I was trying to. I'm not even on the screen, so I can't find the link right now. But I think it's bosses link up. Um, 
Unbitly. Bitly. So that's B I T L. Let me just type it in. Yeah. Um, I apologize, y'all. I thought it is, and then I forgot about it just that fast. But this is um, the links. The, the tickets are free. It's going to be hosted by Candy Matthews of Networking with Queens and Lakeisha Mosley of the LMA Experience. And I have partnered together to present this to you all. We have some really great prizes. Um, I want to tell y'all just one thing right quick. What's the name of it? Because um, I don't want to get it wrong. The Black Travel Academy is giving away two travel certificates. So that's like one of our bigger prizes. Um, we have some good stuff. So if you're interested, it is free. And again, the ticket link is up. You all can visit there. Or if that's not the correct link, then just hit us up and ask in the comments or something. And I think that's everything. Okay. So um, if you would like to sponsor episode or you have suggestions, or you just have questions, email us at theoriesandthoughts at ladyceo.com. you have anything else? Nope, that's it. Peace Bye. Out.